I don't know about you. Uh, well, first of all, let me say this. I was going to make a joke, but it's not a joke. Uh, we need to pray for the people of the Bahamas. Uh, I think the Category 5 hitting them right now. And uh, so I'm talking about 160 mile an hour winds hitting. And so we need to, and it's going to be there for two days. I mean, we were messed up with a Category 1 staying here for two days. Category five staying there for two days, and so uh, we need to pray for them. And uh, and then at the end, we all need to pray that God blows that thing away from North Carolina. Amen. Got too much stuff going on in my life to be worried about. That. Amen. Ephesians chapter three, verse number seventeen: That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now notice what he said he wanted you to be rooted and grounded in. Love. That you're rooted in love. Not religion. Love. That you may be able to comprehend with all of the saints. See, when you're rooted and grounded in love, you'll be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the depth and what is the height? And you'll know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. To everybody else, it don't make sense. But when you're rooted and grounded in love, although it don't make sense to everybody else, it makes perfect sense to you. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now notice what he said, when, you, when you're rooted and grounded in love, you will be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to, we, we started last week on a, on a sermon called Grace, a series called Grace. And I'm going to be honest, my, my head got all swole after church. And because my family told me after such a service that that was the greatest message that I've ever preached. And so I said, man, I got to outdo myself this time. But it's proof in the generation in which we're living that is extremely judgmental. That the message of grace needs to be heard. I want to talk to you on amazing grace. My Lord. Because grace really is amazing. It is. Lord, we love you today and we bless you for your goodness. We thank you for how incredible you are in our lives. Lord, we ask for you to speak into our hearts today. Lord, may we receive your grace. May we receive your love. Lord, we pray for everybody who's walking in condemnation. Who's walking in regrets. Who's walking in feeling less than today. Lord, encourage them, not with our words, but with your word, as to what you really have to say to them. And we'll bless you in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we talked about the importance of showing grace to others and how it's extremely important that those of us who know God to extend the grace of God to other people, for us not to live a judgmental life, 
or where we condemn others, but where we extend God's grace to other people. We are the agents or the carriers of the grace of God. And today, I want to talk to you about God extending his grace to you and I. The Bible says that in order for us to fully operate successfully, to do exceeding and abundant things, that we have to comprehend the love of God. And we'll never comprehend the love of God unless we get rooted and grounded in God's love. We have to understand that God truly loves me and you unconditionally. Meaning, there is nothing I can do that's going to cause God to love me more. And there's nothing I can do that's going to ever cause God to love me any less. That God loves and his love is the same. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but when I've made mistakes, when I have dropped the ball in life, when I have let myself down or others down, I have felt like I did not deserve the love of God. I felt like that the love of God had expired in my life, and I had to do a lot of stuff in order for God to start loving me again. And it's in the, that transition that condemnation comes into my life. It's in that transition that I, I, I become very regretful in life. And I, my mission is to start letting other people know who I hurt, how much I truly didn't mean it and love them, and letting God know how much I truly didn't mean it and love him. And all of that is a result because I'm not rooted and grounded in God's love. Because if I was rooted and grounded in God's love, then I would know that God was still loving me in the middle of mistakes yes. and in the middle of bad judgments in my life. Amen. Galatians 2, chapter number 20, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, says, I am crucified with Christ. Yes. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it is not I, but it is Christ that lives in me. Amen. And the life which I now live in this flesh, I live... By the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Damn, how powerful is it? He said, I'm not, because I'm living in Christ, I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God. For if me being in right standing with God, that's what righteousness means. It does not mean right living. I grew up in church where they taught me that righteousness was living right. But righteousness does not mean living right. Righteousness means standing right. Having a right standing with God. For if righteousness came by the law, if, if me being right with God came by what I do, then Christ died in vain. So I can never do enough right to stand right with God. And I can never, watch this, I can never do enough right to do right with God. He's holy, I'm not. He's righteous, I'm not. So watch this. 
So righteousness doesn't mean doing right. Righteousness means standing right. That God, Jesus, died for me so that I could be right with him. Not I got to do right with God so I can do or be right with him. You see, it's very important that I understand. See, some preachers don't want to preach the true message of grace because they feel if I preach grace the way God intended me to preach grace, everybody's going to go out and sin. Right, right. Yeah. But I have found the more I receive the grace of God, the more I don't want to go out and sin. The more I receive the fact of his love, why would I want to go out and hurt someone who's loved me that way? Why would I want to go out and do somebody wrong who has caused me to be right in life? So, so I am not, uh, I, 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 I have no guilt in preaching this the way God intended it. Because I believe a message of grace causes people to fall more in love with Jesus. He said, I'm not going to frustrate God's grace. I'm not going to frustrate his grace that he has given me in life. Because I can't do enough right to be right. So I'm going to lean on his grace. I'm going to lean on his love. That in the times I am not right, he has made me right. The times I don't do right, he has made me right. You see, John 1, verse number 14. Says this, and the word was made flesh, Jesus, and dwelt among us, Jesus, and we beheld his glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when Jesus came, he came full of grace. Not partially, he was full of grace. You see, I'll never understand truth properly until I first understand grace properly. You see, he came to bring truth, but he also came to bring grace. So the only time that I understand the truth, thy word is truth. The only time I understand truth is when I'm looking at it through the lenses of God's grace. Because grace is Jesus. Jesus was full of grace. That's who he is. So when we're talking about grace, we're talking about Jesus. When I give grace, I'm giving Jesus. When I'm giving love, I'm giving Jesus. God is love. Amen. When I, when I receive, watch this now. Many people have made so many mistakes that they feel like I got to do right. I got to be right. I, I don't deserve it. So I got to do something. In those moments of doing and acting, we are rejecting Jesus. We're rejecting Jesus from our life and we're saying Jesus didn't die good enough for me to be right. I want to tell you Jesus did good enough to be right with you. Jesus did good enough to forgive you. Jesus came full of grace. So when I receive his grace, I receive what Jesus did for me. The finished work of the cross. It is finished. He died good enough for me. 
You see, grace, I've already told you for three weeks. Grace is love that cares. Love that stoops. And love that rescues. You see, if I could do good enough, he wouldn't have a reason to rescue me. If I could get up on my own, he wouldn't have a reason to stoop down for me. If I could care enough about being right, he wouldn't have to worry about caring for me. But grace is love that cares, love that stoops down, and love that rescues me out of the pits of life. It is the unconditional love of God. That is the grace of God. It is the unconditional love of God. It is God's goodness to those who do not deserve it. If you don't feel like you deserve the love of God, I got good news. He's got more grace than you have shame. If you don't feel like you deserve the grace of God, i got good news. He's got more love than you've got guilt. I want to tell each and every one of you, God's grace is for those who do not deserve it. He resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. And if you feel like I deserve it, no, you have become Pharisee Jr. You do not deserve the grace of God. None of us deserves the grace of God. None of us can earn the grace of God. You have deceived yourself and other people by feeling like you were more holy and holier than thou than others. And I want to tell you, none of us in this room deserve the grace of God. None of us deserve that he stooped for us. And that he cared for us. And that he rescued us. Grace is God choosing to bless me. When he could have cursed me. Hebrews 5 verse number 13. I'm going to get in deep in this right now. You ready for it? For everyone that uses milk is unskillful. In the word of righteousness. For he is a baby. For everyone that uses milk. See, see, God said, I want you to eat the meat of the word. Grace is meat. But everyone that uses milk of the word. To be right. Is just a baby. I love the church. Yeah. I love pastors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I have made it my ambition over the last three or four years to be a blessing to pastors. I love pastors. Yeah. So when I say this, I am one. Right. So I'm not dogging pastors out. I love pastors. When I grew up in church, I grew up in church where if someone came into church and got saved, the pastor was bringing that person to his office and saying, I think God's got his hand on you. And I want you to, I want you to preach for me in two weeks. <laughs> and I'm telling you the truth. And, uh, and so here this guy was, 
who don't know nothing about the Bible. Don't know anything about God. Don't know anything about true grace. Never studied it before. But is getting up in a pulpit and preaching. And then gets up in the pulpit and preaches, and because all of you walk in love, you walk up to him, and it don't matter whether he did good or not. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, man, that was so, that's just blessing me. That just blessed me so much. And so he thinks, wow, I don't really know anything. But man, I'm really good. Yeah. And the unfortunate part is, is he's not rooted in, or she is not rooted and grounded in love. And so they begin preaching, and they preach a message of condemnation, oftentimes because it's they feel condemned themselves. Yeah. They feel guilty themselves because God has just rescued them. Yeah. And because they cannot properly articulate nor have studied to learn how to articulate the message of grace, they begin preaching a message of judgment. They began preaching a message of doing right instead of just being right. Yeah. They began preaching a message that you've got to do in order for God to love you. Yeah. And so then it perpetuates into people's hearts, minds, and spirits. Where before too long, people are not living proper doctrine. People are not living proper theology. And it's because there's no proper doctrine or theology. I don't want to bore you right now. But there's no proper doctrine and theology in the pulpit. And so especially in 2019, going into 2020, we start looking at churches on who has the best children's ministry. And who has the best youth ministry. And who has the best praise team. And, and, and who has the best, who is the most friendly? Yeah. Come on. And, and I know we do it so, so I can pick on us about it. Yeah. Who serves the best coffee before breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> and what's not talked about anymore that was talked about 30 or 40 years ago is who preaches truth. That's right. Who discerns the Bible properly? Because that's what saves our soul. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be honest with you. I've got people right now who have left the SOJ and has tried out other churches and ain't going to church nowhere this morning. Excuse yeah, my right. poor vernacular. Yeah. That's not going to church anywhere this morning. Yeah. And it's because how can I go to a church that teaches me proper doctrine and then I leave for other reasons other than doctrine, yeah. but now I can't find anyone any other church that's given me proper doctrine. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I'm just, but because my pride won't let me go back to the SOJ, I'm just going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And I'm not saying we're the only church in town that preaches proper doctrine. I'm giving you an example. So what I'm saying by that is because of this, a person who was just living for the devil two weeks prior, has no business standing up in a pulpit yeah. and teaching any of us how we need to be living for God. Yeah. 
Because it's going to be while y'all know down filthy things, y'all. And then it's going to be, wow, I am alone. And then, and then watch this. We don't feel conviction. We feel condemnation. Yeah. And watch this. But we misinterpret condemnation for conviction. Watch what happens. And condemnation takes you further away from God. Conviction brings you closer to God. You see, when you're convicted by God, you get drawn to Him. When you're condemned and feel like you've been condemned by God, you don't want anything to do with God. And there's people all over our city who is not serving God today because they feel like God has condemned them. All because someone who was not qualified to preach, preached to them. And I want to tell each and every one of you, God's grace rescues you in the middle of your worst mistakes. God's grace stoops down for you in the middle of your worst decisions. God's grace cares for you in the middle of your bad judgments. And God wants you in the middle of your worst decisions. To run to him and not run away from him. Running away from him. Listen, you don't have to be ashamed of what you've done. Because if we all said the truth, every single one of us in this room have done things we are not proud about. And I'm not talking about in our lifetime. I'm talking about in September and today's the first. If God wanted you to be afraid of him, if God wanted you to live in condemnation, he would not have sent Jesus into your life. Romans 5 verse number 17. For by one man offense, Adam, death reigned by one. Death reigned by one. It ruled by one. Death did. Separation from God. That's what death means here. What ruled the earth was people being separated from God by one man, Adam's offense. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 17 for me, guys. You got to get this. One man's offense, one man's wrong decision caused there to be a separation in the earth from God. One man's obedience, Jesus, caused grace to reign, to rule in the earth. What do many of us believe? Our offenses separate us from God. What is the truth? Jesus' grace keeps us 
in right relationship with God. Watch. Righteousness isn't a, a wage. Righteousness isn't something I earn. Righteousness is a gift. So if I got to do something to be right, then it's not a gift. If I got to do something for you at Christmas time to give me something, then it's not a gift. It's only a gift when it's done out of your free will. That I haven't got to do nothing to earn it. I'm going to give you a Christmas bonus because you worked so hard this year. That ain't a gift. <laughs> a gift is something I didn't earn. And by one man's doing right, Jesus, he gave us all a gift to stand right and gave us abundance of grace. Verse 18. Verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment, one decision, came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift, came upon all men the justification of life. Do you know what justified means? Justified, never sin. Yes. Justified. Justified, never sin. Yes. By one man being right, God said, I'm going to treat all of you just as if you never sinned. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Woo. So then thou, the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. See, I believe more in the power of Jesus than I believe in the power of Adam. I believe more in the power of Jesus than I believe in the power of the devil. But one man, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. So watch this. So the law, the law entered that by offense, sin's going to abound. Because who can really live up to this? See, I'm about to mess you up because you think you can live up to it. How do I know if the Bible was written by God? Easy. Because no man would write a standard this high. No man would. Come on, love my wife like I love myself? Love my enemies, pray for my enemies, do good to people who despitefully use you. No, ain't no man wrote that. Come on. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life. By Jesus Christ, our Lord. He said, just like 
sin reign. The minute you find Jesus, grace should reign. Forgiveness should reign. Pastor, have you ever messed up? I sure have. Have you ever felt condemned before I knew about the grace of God? I made such a mistake one time when I was 20, about 20, 21 years old. And I would, it, that sin, that mistake caused me to get in such depression that I had a little S10 Chevrolet truck. And I thought to myself, I, my dad was preaching a revival in Swannanoa, North Carolina. And I thought to myself, I'm going to drive all the way from Charlotte to Swannanoa Valley, North Carolina, because I need a word from God. And I got all the way to Swannanoa, and he had let another guy preach. And that other guy preached and condemned the very sin I was just made a mistake in. The entire 45 minutes. And I left there. Drove home back from Charlotte to Swannanoa Valley about two hours and 15 minutes. And I thought to myself, you can't do this. How are you ever going to live for God after that mistake? You heard what that guy said. He called, that guy called me a dog. Not me a dog personally, but called the people who make that sin a dog. And I thought, man, I, Lord, God, are you speaking to me? And here I was, I had a desire to live for God. I had a desire to serve God. I had a desire, Anthony, to preach for God. I had a desire to tell people about his goodness. And I'm driving all the way back in the dark in that little S10 truck that was blue. <laughs> Thinking there's no way I can do this. And it was my brother's truck. It wasn't even mine. It was my brother's truck. And I looked down on the floorboard and there was a cassette tape. And I thought to myself, man, I'm about to put this cassette tape in and take my mind completely away off this thing, man. All right, I'm God. I'm not going to, I'll, I'll just go to, I'll be a Sunday morning Christian. That's what I thought. I love you, but obviously you can't use me. And I put, I thought it was music on this tape. And I put this tape in. And there was a guy preaching I'd never heard of before. Maria, his name was T.D. Jakes. <laughs> and he preached a message. Now get this. This guy just called people who made that sin dogs. And I just made that sin two days prior. And I turn on the thing, and he, he reads a scripture, and he says, I'm going to be preaching to you tonight on the subject. The kingdom is going to the dogs. And his whole message was about the Syrophoenician woman who Jesus looked at and said, it is not right to give the children's bread to dogs. And she turned around and said, truth, Lord, I am a dog, but even dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And I realized there was grace. There was hope. God didn't condemn me. God wasn't judging me. He gave me more grace than the devil gave me sin. Yes. I can live for him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 21. Man, I got to hurry with this. For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin from me, 
I'll make everything personal. Who knew no sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus. He made Jesus to be sin. You're living in sin today? Good news. Jesus became sin. Who didn't know sin that you could be like Jesus. in the Garden of Eden. I've sinned and I've hid myself. So Jesus, or God, went out and made the first sacrifice. He killed a lamb in the name of Adam so that Adam could live in the name of the lamb. And God killed Jesus so that Jesus, I, could live in the name of Jesus who knew no sin. I'm covered in Jesus. The old folks used to sing a song said, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled all up in Jesus. When God looks at me, he doesn't see my wrongs. He doesn't see my mistakes. He sees his son on my life and says, I have given them unconditional love. Romans 8, verse number 1. I'm going to skip so I can get done. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. People come into church and feel less than not worthy feel like they don't belong everyone has a place of belonging in Jesus where sin abounded grace did much more abound people quit God not because they don't care they care too much People want to be a person of character and integrity. So they quit God, not because they don't care, Maria. Jerry, they're quitting God because they care too much. I don't want to make Jesus look bad. I don't want to make God look bad. I don't want to make the church look bad, so I can't do this. I might as well stay home. I can't live this life. They care too much. They want to be right people. So they say, I got to quit because I can't do this. I've tried to do it for three months and every day I'm feeling guilt. Every day I'm feeling like I can't do it. I don't feel like I'm worthy enough to do it. They're singing songs and I'm thinking, man, for your glory, God, I want to do anything. But then I don't feel like I can raise my hand. they care too much so they quit all because they got terrible doctrine at a church all because they got poor theology at a church who told them if you're not perfectly right you can't do anything for God 
instead of telling them the truth. If God is looking for people who are perfectly right, we all have to go home. <laughs> if God is looking for people who has conquered their temptations, not a one of us would be in here today. Because we can sit back and act like we're not tempted by anything, but I can promise you, every person in this room has been tempted this week. I'm going to say something controversial right now. God can use you in spite of your temptation. That's right. That's right. Yes, and God can use you in spite of your sin. And it's not my job or anyone else's job to get you right. That's good. Because when God gets ready to get your attention, God can get it all by himself. Jonah, you running from God, he can send a fish and he can find you in the middle of the ocean. He don't need me to do it, nor does he need any parent to do it, nor does he need any kid to do it, nor does he need any friend to do it, nor does he need any preacher to do it. You know what he needs from all of us? He needs all of us to be agents of his grace. That we are displaying who Jesus is in the earth realm. Let me tell you the progression here, and I'm going to let you go. I'm going to talk to you about somebody like Peter. Who the Bible says. In Luke 5. A few years ago, my daughter was in like the fourth or fifth grade. Her birthday is in November, and I asked her where she wanted to go for her birthday. And she said, I want to go to the indoor water park in Myrtle Beach. I said, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> and she said, and I want to invite my friends. And I can't believe these parents let them. But I had like 10 little girls, like fourth and fifth graders, with me and my wife in an indoor water park. And in the rooms, there were stoves, there were ovens, there were everything. So I sat them down. There were balconies. We had to get two rooms. And I sat those kids down and I said to them, do not turn on the stove. Do not walk on the balcony. Do not even open the door to the balcony. If you do, I'm calling your mom and daddy. Do not run in the water park. Do not leave the property. I mean, I'm giving all these rules. And you know what's amazing to you? I gave them all to the kids. But I didn't turn around and look at my wife and say, oh, and by the way, that applies to you too. You better not leave this water park. And you better not use a stove. And you better not step foot on no balcony. And you better not talk to no stranger. Watch. I told it to babies. 
but I didn't tell it to adults. In church, God's about to cause you to grow right. In church, we're wanting a pastor to tell us what to do. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I made mistakes. Tell me what needs to be. Oh, preacher, I like it when you preach that hellfire and brimstone stuff. Because that hellfire and brimstone stuff just gets me to live right. Hey, you don't have to tell a grown man not to walk on a balcony. You don't have to tell a grown woman not to use the oven. And I shouldn't have to tell any of you not to sin. That's right. That's right. I got to tell babies not to lie. I got to tell babies not to steal. I got to tell babies not to take the Lord's name in vain. But come on, you an adult. You operated the grace of God. You operated the conviction where when you know you're wrong, God convicts you and you say, oh, you got to turn that around. I don't need anybody condemning me. Don't need anybody judging me. Don't need anybody looking down at me. I know because I got God. I'm not like these kids back there that need somebody to tell them, oh, three, four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Nobody's got to tell you to live right. Because you got the Holy Ghost. And I'm just going to trust the Holy Ghost can do better than any preacher can. So why don't we come to church then, Pastor? To corporately celebrate Jesus. To corporately learn how to live free. Why don't we come to church to pray for one another? To find community? To support one another? To worship Him corporately? Yes. And if you're looking for somebody to tell you what to do, you found the wrong place. Because yeah. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Yes. And I'm going to tell you about His goodness. Yes. And I'm going to tell you about His grace that stoops down for you and that cares for you and that loves you. And you have done anything that stopped him from loving. Amen. Well, didn't I tell you about Peter? Well, let me help you. Luke 5. Don't worry, told you all the time. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret. And two ships standing by the lake but the fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. They had quit. They were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed, hey, hey, man, go out of this land a little bit further. And he sat down and taught the people of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he looked at Simon and said, hey, let's go a little deeper. And let us let our nets down to catch a lot of fish. And Simon answered him and said, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down my net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and break their net. And they beckoned them to their partners, which were in the other ship. And they came and helped them. And they came and filled up both ships so that they began to sink. Well, that's a lot of fish. And when Simon Peter saw it, watch what he did. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, watch this, depart from me. I am a sinful man. 
You know what religion teaches us? Depart from me, Jesus. I'm a sinful man. Yeah. I don't deserve you being good to me right now, so leave me. If you knew what I was doing last night, Jesus, you wouldn't want to be around me. He knows. Get away from me. I can't live for you. I can't serve you. I'm too sinful. Watch the progression of grace. In Luke 22, verse number 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. Say, Peter. And he said unto him, Before the cock crows, you shall deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I knew I couldn't keep the word. I knew I couldn't be right. I told you to get away from me, Jesus. You wouldn't leave me alone. Now I've made a mistake. He began to feel condemnation, shame, guilt. Because I told you ahead of time, Jesus, I couldn't live up to this. I told you I couldn't be the man you wanted, nor the woman you wanted. I told you I couldn't be the parent you wanted me to be. I told you, Jesus, I couldn't be the Christian you always wanted and I see in church. I told you I couldn't do that. And they went out and wept bitterly. Isn't it amazing? There's nobody who knows how many times you have left God's presence and wept because you couldn't do it. Because our first reaction is I gotta live by the law and I can't live by the law. Watch this. In John 24, 34, Jesus now is raised from the dead. John 24, 34. The angels are speaking and saying, Say, the Lord is risen indeed and appeared unto Simon. Now watch this. Here's the interesting thing about the Bible. We don't know what they talked about. The Lord showed up to Peter. And for some reason, Jesus and God did not feel the need to rebuild that conversation to us. If I was to guess, I would have to say that after Jesus knew what Peter had done, he had to have talked to him about his grace. He had to have talked to him about I give other chances. About he had to talk to him, you can't live up to the law, but you can live up to me. And I'm full of grace. How do I know that? Watch this. Because in John 21, verse number 1, and then I'll be done. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And on the wise he showed he himself. And there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two of the other of his disciples. And Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they said unto him, We go with you too. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when in the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you got any meat? 
You've been working all night. You've been trying to do what's right. You've been trying to live up to what you think you should be doing. Hey, you got anything to show for it? And they answered, no. He said unto them, cast your net onto the right side of the ship. This is a whole nother lesson. You got to go to Bible college. I don't know why you're not going to Bible college. The right side of the ship, Jesus' right arm of righteousness. Cast your net to the right side of the ship. Where righteousness, being right, standing with God. Cast your net to being right. And you shall find what you're looking for. You ain't finding what you're looking for or trying to do. But when you become it, you'll find what you've been longing for in life. You'll find that man of God. He has put inside of you. You'll find that woman of God. He has put inside of you. You'll find that parent who's going to raise your children to fear him. You'll find that man who's going to withstand their temptations. You're going to find that man of God. They cast their four and were drawn for the multitudes of fishes. Verse 7. Therefore, that disciple who Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon heard that, it was the Lord. He girded up his fishers' coat unto him, for he was naked. And he cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land as it was only 200 cubits dragging the nets of fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coal there, and the fish laid there up in bread. The very first time we introduced Peter, Peter says, get away from me. I'm too simple for you. When Jesus died, he couldn't live up to the word Jesus told him. So Jesus ran out in shame and guilt and wept bitterly to depression. And then the next time, Jesus showed up to Peter and we were not privy to that conversation. But then the next time we hear about Peter, Peter hears Jesus is there. And instead of him getting in the boat saying, I got to get away from here. Instead of him saying, man, I got to go find another place to come in on land. Peter says, you know what, forget this. He jumps in the water and says, I ain't waiting on none of y'all. I'm swimming to right where he is. Watch this. That's grace. Because condemnation says, get away from me, Jesus. I'm sinful. Condemnation says, get away from me. I can't live up to it. And it puts me in depression trying to live up to what you want out of my life. But Jesus, but grace says, when you mess up, when you have wrong thoughts, when you have wrong temptations, don't run from God. Swim to God. Jump in the water. Don't just sit in the boat. But today, and I come to tell somebody, you've been on the boat saying, I can't live up to what Jesus wants out of me. And I can't measure up to everything God has for me. And I make too many bad decisions. And my mind goes in too many wrong places. And, and and I'm too busy caring about the lust of this world. And Jesus says, don't worry. Where sin abounded, my grace much more abounded. And God is looking for people to leave the comfort of your sin and jump into him and swim to where he is. 
today God's calling you to his grace I'm calling you to be free I'm calling you to find love I'm calling you to find hope in life with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're in this room and you'll be honest and say I want to receive the grace of God to you. the grace of God pastor I'm not going to lie I'm one of those Christians who I live in condemnation a lot I can't live up to this I can't be perfect all the time Today, I want to receive the grace of God. The grace of God. If that's you, you're going to be honest. You'll be honest today. I didn't come to preach to everybody, but I did come to preach to somebody who felt guilt and shame. And today, you want to say, I want to receive His grace in my life. Hey, who cares what other people think about you? Who the Son has set free is free in me. How many of you right now will be honest by the raising of your hand and say, I want to receive God's grace in my life? If that's you, just raise it to God, not to me. I can't give you grace. Only God can. One, two, three, raise a high hand. Say, I want to receive the grace of God. God bless you all. God bless you. God bless you all. Come on, you ought to put yourself into a posture of prayer, a posture of surrender. I say, Lord, today I receive your grace. I surrender to condemnation. I just surrender to false doctrine. I surrender to poor theology. And God, I receive your grace today.
they wondered if they could even forgive themselves. Jesus, flood them with your grace today. Flood them with your grace today. There's somebody who's made such poor decisions that they're living with regret. Flood them with your grace today. Somebody saying, if I should have done this, maybe if I could have done this, maybe if I would have done this differently, things would have happened. Flood them with your grace today. Flood them with your love today. Woo, it's the peace of God that passes all understanding. Flood us with your love. You knew we'd make the mistake before we were ever born. You knew we'd make that decision before we'd ever born. And God, you gave us an antidote. You gave us your grace. So today, Lord, we receive your grace. And we know you've got a plan. There's somebody in this room, Lord, who's made a mistake with someone else. Lord, if they would have just done things differently, maybe things would have worked out differently. Lord, flood them with your grace. Flood them with your grace. All things work together for good. Flood them with your grace. No condemnation. No guilt. No shame. No feeling of less than. We all are accepted in the beloved. So today, Lord, we receive your love unconditionally. And because we have received it unconditionally, let us give it unconditionally. In Jesus' name.